What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the very first ever episode of the Two Player Co-op Podcast. I'm Kevin, here with my brother, Sean. Giddy up. We've been playing video games our whole lives since we got our first NES back in 1987. And we decided, you know what? We want to talk about video games with all of you. So every week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get together, we're going to drink some drinks, we're going to talk about video games. And all we hope is that you guys will join us for this ride, however long that may be. Let's go ahead and get started. So, I figured if I was going to do a video game podcast ever, I knew the first topic I ever wanted to talk about was going to be Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid is the reason I still care about video games, being a 34-year-old man. And this year we saw the release of the game that I've anticipated more than any game in the history of gaming. Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. Alright, so Metal Gear Solid 5 first debuted way back at the VGAs in 2012 and Kojima thought he was slick. He came out as Moby Dick Studios, not as Konami, not as Kojima Productions, and, and showed us this new game just called The Phantom Pain. Well, that took the internet about, what, five seconds to figure out that Metal Gear Solid Five actually fit into uh, the blank spaces there on The Phantom Pain. So it was pretty easy to see, and that, that started a crazy, crazy train um, of Kojima of three years of marketing and misleading and everything, a la Metal Gear Solid 2. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. But... Like I said, this is the most anticipated game for me in the history of video games. I've been a fan of Metal Gear Solid ever since I played the first one. I actually played it on PC. I didn't play it on PlayStation. I liked it better on PC. It had the up-res graphics. Um, I had my awesome little Gravis gamepad. I thought I was killing it, and I just had so much fun with it. So this was the most anticipated game of all time. And anything less than the best game ever made was going to be a little bit of a disappointment to me. So part of this build-up and all this anticipation was, was all these different trailers that Kojima is known for. Every time a trailer comes out, I'm watching it as soon as it leaks or if it hits IGN or whatever. I go back, I watch them, I don't want to say hundreds of times, but hundreds of times. I listen to people analyze them. Um, I, I read write-ups about it. If, if you guys are Metal Gear Solid fans, you should check out Dan Dawkins on Twitter. Um, He's awesome. He's a super fan. He knows so much about the lore. He's, he's just a great follow. So we would talk back and forth, everything. So game finally comes out. Let's fast forward, you know, September 1st, 2015. Um, I get the collector's edition with my Venom Snake arm and all that fun stuff. My brother here, Sean, um, he held out on it. So he didn't really play the game when it first came out. Um, got it a couple months later when it, when it finally got discounted on Amazon. And I realized something... Once he said he, when he first got the game, and I tweeted it at the time, at KevinWhite24, if you want to follow me. Shout out. Um, I was actually jealous of him because here I've been obsessed, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine saying that. I've been obsessed with this game for almost three years since the very first trailer came out. Whereas he's going in almost blind. He hasn't watched every trailer. He hasn't watched all the analysis. He hasn't heard the new Coke theories that Venom Snake is new Coke and that David Hayter's coming back and Venom Snake is Gray Fox from Python and Selkin and those guys, which they were completely wrong, by the way. He was not Gray Fox. Um, and you're essentially living vicariously through me as I experienced the game yeah. for the first time. <clears throat> so as he goes through and he plays it here over the last month or so, I'm constantly texting him, what mission are you on? Where are you at? Let me know. And he's asking me for tips, and he did some missions that I didn't think he could do. I was very proud. Um, Metallic Archaea, some of the other missions were just so 
ridiculous that I'll admit even I had to look up some videos on IGN and stuff to figure out how to get through them. But he did great. But So I was able to live vicariously through him, and it was so cool to see somebody play the game who didn't pay so much attention and just live and die with a hype like I did. Um, so, Sean, I mean, I don't know. what. How much did you even know about Metal Gear Solid Five before you actually started playing it? Was it just listening to me? I think I sent you some of the trailers, you know, as they came out over the years. But but what did you go in? What what was your mindset for for Metal Gear coming into this? Uh, I'll go back even further than that. Um, back on the PlayStation Two days, since technically the PlayStation Two was mine. Thanks, mom and dad. Uh, Shout out. Kevin convinced me. He said. <clears throat> dude, you need to ask for Metal Gear Solid 2 for Christmas. And I said, okay. I didn't think much of it. I said, I'll ask for it. If he says it's a good game, I'll take his word for it. At the time, I knew of Metal Gear Solid 1, and I knew of the original Metal Gear game on Nintendo. And that was about it. Uh, so lo and behold, I get it for Christmas, play through the game, and the obvious... Uh, I'm not even going to bother saying spoiler alert because everybody knows by now, but the riding yeah, thing. Sorry, you had 14 years. If you hadn't played Metal Gear Solid 2 yet, I'm sorry. You had 14 years. Right. So that never hit me quite as hard because I was never as involved with Solid Snake as Kevin or maybe as the rest of you. Uh, but it was a great game. I then you know had to play 3, had to play 4. Um, and here we are at 5. And like Kevin said, I was not involved with the... Uh, all the trailers that are dropping and watching them as they come out, but I heard a good deal about them through Kevin and watched them, but probably didn't have quite the same effect um, on me as they did on him. But going into it, I pretty much knew what I was what I was in for, but was not aware of any of these <clears throat> theories going on behind the scenes. And it's funny that you bring up Metal Gear Solid too, because <clears throat> it's one of those games that when it first came out, like I remember IGN gave it a 9.7. Um, I didn't get it when it first came out because I didn't have a PlayStation 2. But once I got one, I got it. I had somehow, back then, you could actually avoid spoilers. And I didn't know about the twist until I played it. And <clears throat> when I first saw Raiden, I was thrown for a loop. Of course, I assumed, like most other people did, I assume, that we were going to be riding for maybe a couple hours and we were going to switch back to Snake. That obviously didn't happen. The rest is history. And I can appreciate the game now. It's still definitely not my favorite Metal Gear Solid. Um, but ever since Metal Gear Solid 2, I, along with a lot of other people that are Metal Gear fans, have always had Kojima in their back of their minds. And what is he really up to and what's really going on? So that <clears throat> excuse me, that was definitely something that played a huge role in the build-up to Metal Gear Solid 5. With all the Gray Fox theories and all this other stuff, um, I even started to fall for him at one point until Python and Selkin came out their last video and said that, hey, uh, we also think that Zero, uh, Major Zero is Gray Fox's dad, um, and the weapon that the Metal Gear has, well, actually, we didn't even know it was from the Metal Gear. We saw the trailer where the, the spikes come up through the ground, which if you'll, you'll know if you've played the game. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't figured out yet, huge spoilers uh, on here for Metal Gear Solid Five. Sorry if you haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, stop listening now. <clears throat> If you have not played the game. But then they also predicted that Godzilla basically was in the game. And it was his, like, the, the spikes coming up through the ground were the whatever on his back. And that's when I just said, okay, y'all jumped the shark. Um, not to mention they said, well, he can't jump off of Mother Base and swim. Snake could swim in Metal Gear Solid 3. Therefore, we know it's not Big Boss. And it's Gray Fox. So, anyways, they were right, obviously. It's not Big Boss. 
Venom Snake is different, but we'll get into that later. So I just want to talk first a little bit about the buildup and, and how obsessed I am with this game and this whole series leading into Metal Gear Solid Five. So let's just jump right in. I kind of want to go through the game. Um, we'll talk about the different, um, some of the major points and everything. The first thing I want to talk about is obviously the hospital scene. Um, this is one of the coolest things maybe ever that I've ever seen in video games, definitely in the recent history of video games. I've never seen anything like this where it's really cool that you take what is essentially a tutorial and you put it into such a high pressure, high, just crazy amount of tension situation. Um, and I also like going back to the trailers, <clears throat> we were clearly misled because um, we never saw that Quiet was actually the assassin in the hospital. So that threw me for a loop from the beginning because we knew Quiet was going to have a big role in the story. Um, that threw me for a loop. <clears throat> it was still crazy to actually hear Kiefer's voice coming from Ishmael as well as from me. But the way they started it off with, okay, create your face. What, what did you think then, when Sean, when they did the whole create your face at the beginning? I said, okay, you need to go into hiding, create your avatar. And you created your face. What did you start thinking at that point? Were you just confused all the hell? I think you texted me from what I remember. I texted you as soon as that happened. Um, <laughs> texted you before that even, asking why is uh, Ishmael's voice also Kiefer Sutherland. And obviously we figured that out later on. But uh, uh, I know in Metal Gear Solid 2, um, probably in 3 and 4, but I don't remember... Um, they always ask for your name, your birthday, whatever. And Metal Gear Solid 2, it's so you can see it on the dog tag at the end. 3 and 4, I'm not too sure, but there's probably something similar. Um, so I figured it was something along those lines, um, or probably just a way to use the storyline to set up your Metal Gear Online avatar, something along those lines. Um, so I didn't think too much of it. Um, if I remember correctly, after you create your face in the game, they show it to you, and then all of a sudden you see him in the mirror again. He's back to looking like Big Boss. So, And then the doctor gets murdered, which just... Right. At that point... <clears throat> so when we started, I had heard rumors that there was this face creation thing. Um, again, because I was obsessed with this, and I was following every leak, every information, every bit of information that I could. Even though I did get off Twitter for the three weeks before I created a new Twitter handle because I wanted to avoid spoilers as much as I could. Um, I heard that there was this avatar creation thing. I assumed that once we, I picked my face and then we get back, I still look like Big Boss. The doctor gets murdered. I, I just didn't think of it again after that, really. So that was my first part where I was like, okay, this is not Gray Fox. We're Big Boss. This guy's crazy. So the whole hospital sequence from, you know, learning how to play the game if you, if you didn't play Ground Zeroes before, which I don't know if I speak for you, Sean, but there's no way I could ever go back and play Ground Zeroes now because Phantom Pain... The controls, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but the, just the gameplay in the game is just absolutely perfect. In Ground Zeroes, I always felt like, sorry to get off on a tangent, but if you were spotted in Ground Zeroes, you were essentially dead. You're done for. Because it wasn't really an open world like Phantom Pain. You had a base that you infiltrated, you came in one way, you had two targets you had to get. The way you got to them was, was free play, but... <clears throat> If you were spotted, you were dead. Phantom Pain, not at all. Not at all. Um, so that was that, that, that was one of the big things. So, so playing through the hospital, um, you get to see 
quote-unquote the man on fire, which if you're a Metal Gear Solid fan, you knew from the second you saw him who that really was. That wasn't the man on fire. That was Vulgan. Um, we all knew that. You got to see who would later be, be called the third boy um, controlling everything, which, of course, we know who the third boy is. Um, he's Psycho Mantis. Spoiler alert. That's what I was uh, <clears throat> asking you about the other day. When Are we going to hear more about his story? That was my theory, albeit probably not that groundbreaking because I'm sure everybody that follows the game knows that by now. But well, I figured it had to turn out to be Psycho Mantis. And, and we'll get to that a little bit to some of the some of the stuff that was cut from this. And I don't know if you've checked out Mission 51 yet. I don't think you have. But there was there was cut content. There wasn't really anything that expanded on Psycho Mantis or quote unquote the third boy story. But you got to see all that. You're playing through it. It was so stressful the first time. <clears throat> Crawling through the the hospital rooms, going underneath the beds, when the soldiers are just systematically hunting everybody down. They're gunning everybody down. It is just... I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a video game. So, we get through there. You get to the end. um, And then here comes Ocelot. And he shows up. He helps jog your memory. At least that's what I thought was happening. Was that he's just helping you jog your memory to say, hey, you know, I'm Ocelot and all this stuff. And you escape with him. You're getting chased by Volgan as the man on fire, which was just insane. The lightning bolt. I still don't know what the lightning bolt was. Because no other time in the game did the man on fire or Volgan actually use his lightning powers. But when you're running away, that lightning bolt hits the bridge. You go up with Ocelot and the horse. You fall down the river. Somehow the horse lived, which was awesome. I don't like to see animals get hurt in video games or anywhere. Um... So I still don't know where that lightning bolt came from, if that was just completely random or what that was. But um, you get to the end, and then you get you get on the ship, and then from there, Ocelot tells you what's going on. He gets you your arm. Um, you get Donna Burke starting to sing The Sins of the Father, and, and you get to the first scene in Afghanistan. And then from there is when it really turns into, into the phantom pain, the actual experience of the game. So, I mean, is there anything I missed on that uh, related to the hospital scene that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I know we're not here to talk about uh, gripes about the game at all. No, 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 no. Go ahead and bring them up. But this is an honest discussion. I'm not going to fanboy out. I, I've I've been wanting to talk about this game with somebody for as long as it, as long as I mean ever since it came out. And I I tweet back and forth and people, um, but I haven't. None of my friends really. Uh, or into Metal Gear, or even really have PlayStations anymore. So when, when my brother finally decided to play it, I was like, yes, I finally have somebody to actually talk about this crazy game with and just nerd out with. So I, I have gripes about it too, and we'll get into that. But yeah, absolutely, go ahead. Uh, I guess uh, just some of the what you're playing through always kind of bothered me when you're uh, crawling under the beds and these soldiers are going through and looking to, to find Big Boss and kill him, basically, and... You know, there's the scene where you're crawling under the beds and one of the other patients grabs you by the foot and is screaming, help me, help me. And the soldier shows up and shoots him in the back, but doesn't think to look at who is this guy under the bed that he's holding on to. The part where Ishmael has you out in the hall and he's saying, you know, there's all these soldiers out here crawl on the ground and blend into the dead bodies. And they're just going through systematically shooting them one by one in the back and then, you know, coming from both sides of you, and then they both just stop right before, coincidentally enough, before getting to uh, Ishmael and Punish Snake, I guess. 
um, you know, what, what are the odds of them shooting everybody and then just holding off right before they get to you? And I don't know, a couple couple things like that kind of irked me. But um, it's funny to hear about the the lightning bolt. Um, I guess I don't even remember that too well, but I certainly didn't even think that that was Volgan or the Man on Fire's doing. I I kind of just saw that as being coincidence and but yeah i guess that could have very well been the man on fire's creation but i didn't even really think too much of it to be honest with you yeah i don't really know um yeah and it was definitely ironic i would say that the xof soldiers stopped there um and then they're only alerted once the uh uh, the ivy bag starts leaking they make you think you know ishmael is peeing his pants but obviously big boss would never pee his pants he's not scared um, but that ivy bag starts leaking. They see that, and they're they're like, you know, they turn Venom Snake over. They see his face. They're ready to shoot him. And then, of course, that's when um, Man on Fire shows back up, and the the helicopter shoots at him, and all that. So, <clears throat> definitely some interesting things there for sure. Um, but yeah, so after that, you know, we get into the what I would say the Phantom Pain proper is. Um, we show up at Afghanistan like we saw so many times in the trailers that intro sequence when. Um, Asla says, "You're a legend in the eyes of those that live on the battlefield." That was good. It was. I tried. It's not good. Troy Baker is the man, by the way. Um, every voice he does in every game, Troy Baker is the man. And Ocelot, wait, time out, time out. Who else does he do? Uh, he was Joel in The Last of Us. Oh. Um, he's playing Nate's brother in Uncharted Four. Okay. Um, God, you're putting me on the spot. Oh, he did the Joker in Arkham Origins when it wasn't Mark Hamill doing okay. it, and he kicked ass at it. Sorry. Okay. He did a great job, and he's done a bunch of others, but Troy Baker's the man. And we'll, we'll get into some of the funny things with Ocelot. Um, one of the other guys I follow on YouTube, Young, yeah, had some thoughts on him being a disappointing character, and I dispute that, so we can talk about that later. But So, yes, yeah, so you get into it, and that's when the gameplay really takes over. That's when you get your Fulton. Um, you got to go rescue Kaz. Kaz. Uh, you see the Skull Soldiers for the first time, which every time they showed up, it scared the hell out of me. That, so let's talk about that. One of the things I thought was odd, and I tweeted at Konami a bunch of times. By the way, Konami is the worst company ever. If you didn't see the Video Game Awards, if you need any confirmation that all this stuff with Kojima is their fault, it's their fault. Um, just look up Jeff Keighley's speech about Kojima. That's the best minute of television I've watched in a while. But anyway, so one of the things I always tweeted at Konami about, and I wanted to be able to turn on or off, was the opening credits for every mission. Episode 2, Phantom Limbs, starring Spoiler Venom alert, Snake. essentially telling yeah. you who's going to be in it. So I went back and forth on it. So, you know, and it says starring the Skulls unit. I'm like, well, crap. Okay, the Skulls are in this. I think I had kind of figured that out from the trailers. But as I went on, it didn't seem like that big a deal to me. I don't know what your thoughts are, um, but... It was kind of cool because then, in a way, instead of being a spoiler alert, it was almost more... Builds the anticipation. Oh, crap. The skulls are in this one. Oh, my gosh. Metal Gear's in this one? How I'm going to rescue Huey. Why is Metal Gear going to be in this? Um, So I thought that was interesting. That's something I I thought I would be really angry about um, with it being spoilers, but it turned out not to be. Um, So, yeah, so that's... I mean, the... So let's talk about that now. So you get your first... Back up from when we go rescue Kaz. You get your first glimpse of Afghanistan. When you take control, you're sitting on D-Horse. And I I don't know that this is going to sound weird. 
So because the Fox engine is so powerful, I don't know that this is the the prettiest game I've ever seen, but it definitely is the most realistic game I've ever seen. So when you see that first glance of Afghanistan, and when you're just sitting there, everything's already loaded. You don't have to worry about popping, which this game did have some issues with popping. Um, there are sometimes, especially if you're on D horse or if you're driving where you're moving faster, you can see stuff pop in out everywhere, but they look so realistic and the game is so big. I don't really care about it, but you get that first look at it and it's just absolutely, it's just insane how good the Fox engine is. Um, I mean, it looks like you are in Afghanistan. Yep. It, it's just, it's just amazing to me. So, um, and, and the reason I say it's not the prettiest is you played Arkham a little bit. I gave it to you to play. I don't think you got too far in it, but no, not too far. But so if you look at the graphics like in Arkham, um, are they super hyper realistic like Metal Gear? No, no. But they just have such like I don't even know what the word is, but they are just so it's just beautiful and just it's vibrant. Yeah, very yeah. vibrant. Whereas with Metal Gear, you're in a desert. Right. It's a realistic looking desert, but there's just sand everywhere. And then when you get to the compounds and you got to the the big house in in Africa and stuff like that, there was different environments and everything. But it was definitely um, not as vibrant. I think is a good word that you said as some other games. But just the the power of the Fox engine is awesome, and it's really a shame that Konami is going to retain the rights to that. Kojima doesn't get to keep it when he leaves. Um, it sucks that that engine will probably never be used again for anything. So the graphics are amazing. That pretty much speaks for itself. But for me, there's always two things that are important when it comes to video games. You've got obviously the gameplay, which is king. Colin always taught me that. Colin Moriarty, kind of funny. If you don't know them, you should. If you're not watching them or listening to them, you guys have issues. Gameplay is king. Um, but the second part to me of anything, of any game being good, unless you're talking like a Mario game or something like that, or Madden or whatever, is the story. We'll get into the story in a little bit, but I just want to talk about the gameplay for now because those are the two important aspects to any video game to me. Sean, so you've played all the Metal Gears. Well, I don't think you played Peace Walker. Mm-mm. Okay. But you played... One, two, three, One, two, and three, four. four, five. Okay, so it's funny to go back and think now. Um, the, the control schemes for those, as great as those games were, for me, it's mostly the story. Like when I think of one and three, especially, it's the story. One was groundbreaking in its day, but three, it's mostly the story. Talk. What do you think about the gameplay? The way everything just felt um, compared to other games in the series, especially. Um, I guess the first one I played was two. Um, three pretty much followed suit to that. Um, those are two of my favorite games probably ever. Um, we'll touch on that more in the coming weeks when we do our, our top 10 podcast. But uh, um, at the time, I thought those were pretty much perfect. Uh, I had never even played substance or subsistence versions of them. So, uh, you know, I didn't have full control of the camera and all that. And then I never never found it too limiting, I guess. Uh, The first person aspect was a a big help. Uh, I played one after those, 
um, and not having first person was uh, definitely quite a quite a shock. Um, played it through start to finish, and then later on played the Twin Snakes version, which I think did have first person in it. Yep. Which uh, some people said it broke the game. It made it way too easy. But I've I've still never gotten to play Twin Snakes all the way through because the only copy I had was broken. Thanks, yeah, that, thanks, Sean. Yeah, that glitches um, up. Yeah. Um, but um, I guess uh, the gameplay certainly seemed different. Um, I really think they they nailed it. Um, the fact that you can run around and while you're running and evading enemies, still be able to be switching through weapons or activate your your camo or whatever you have to do uh i think they really nailed it um just the the open world environment uh, you know when you're spotted and if you go through your reflex mode and you don't take the guy out and you gotta take off running it uh really gets your heart racing and, so okay so let's stop there what, what do you think about reflex mode because again I didn't say this in the intro, but as much as we love video games, we're not the best. Um, if you find me on Call of Duty, you'll probably see my, my KD ratio is like a point two. I suck, especially at multiplayer games, but that doesn't mean I don't love video games. A lot of people that are hardcore um, Metal Gear fans, a lot of them thought Reflex Mode made it too easy. Um, I don't think so, and Kojima's reasoning for, for the why they put it in there was... You know, Metal Gear has never been "quote unquote" open world before. You've never had you you've had your Soliton radar radar, or you've had the active sonar in Metal Gear Solid Three. You've had different ways to know where the enemies are, and it's a linear playing field. You know what's coming ahead of you. You can see where the enemies are. Here, they they literally can come from anywhere. It gets a lot easier once you get D Dog, um, and I prefer D Dog to Quiet, even though you know he can't snipe. It'd be pretty awesome if he could. Um, but I, I prefer D-Dog, even though he is essentially a cheat code to me, um, just because how good he is at marking enemies and everything. But, I, I mean, do you think it made it too easy? I don't think it made it too easy. Um, I know when I was playing through uh, Ground Zeroes, maybe it was just the video game rust setting in, but I was horrible. I sucked at the game. and But I don't even think it's that. I think it's... Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes, after playing the Phantom Pain, I mean, and I said it earlier, I don't, I don't think it's that you sucked. It was just, it did not play as well as this. Right, and there's no increasing your arsenal of weapons, there's no upgrading anything. You were basically stuck with what you have, uh, and that made a big difference. But um, I don't know. I don't think it makes it too easy. I've died plenty of times throughout the game, and if I made it through the entire game without dying or rarely dying, okay, maybe it's too easy. Um, but it's an interesting uh, aspect they added. Um, sometimes it'll activate and I'll have a free shot at the dude's face and I'll somehow miss and I'll still have enough time to get another shot off. And you're like, come on, reload, 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 right, reload, reload, yeah. reload. Come on, quick, 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 snake, hurry up. So, yeah, when that happens, sometimes I'm like, all right, I probably shouldn't have been able to take that guy out, but I took him out and... All's well that ends well. Um, I certainly don't think it ruins the game by any means, though. No. And I can understand, and of course, you have the option to turn it off. And you've got, you know, after you after you beat Mission 31 and you get to the, the Chapter 2 missions, you have the option of replaying some of the earlier levels on harder difficulty, which can include... Um, total Stealth. Total Stealth, which is interesting. I still haven't beaten all those missions yet. Um, I was really surprised at how easy um, the uh, the Skulls fight was. 
Wait, so since I haven't even gotten that far in the total stealth missions, do you get a shot at reflex mode? Or as soon as you enter reflex no, mode, you've already there is lost? no. Once you, if reflex mode were to trigger, it's over. Okay. So you have to sneak. You don't get a second chance. You okay. have to. Um, I've been trying to do the one where you, uh, um, the, the minefield where you go and you blow up the pipes and you blow up the controller thing and all that. Um, that's one of those that I decided, and we'll talk about this also later. I was like, I need to go unlock quiet again so she can go in there and snipe people for me and i'm just gonna sit up there and try to snipe everybody and kill them all then go in there and blow everything up but that's beside the point so no i like reflex mode i think it worked in the open world and it would have been really tough playing without it all the time uh one of the things that i was kind of nervous about again i played peace walker i loved peace walker um you know, and a little bit of trivia for you, if you didn't know, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker was originally going to be called Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid Five, a PSP game, which is amazing. But the game is also amazing, so I understand why they were thinking that. But one of the big things that Peace Walker introduced, and Phantom Pain kind of kind of took to the next level, was mother base management. Um, I was really worried that this was going to really bog down the game. And I wasn't going to like it. I'm not big into role-playing games um, or games that you really have to grind and do all this stuff. Um, I have put about 92 hours in Metal Gear now, so that shows you how much I love this game. Um, I don't care about playing Fallout. I don't care about playing most RPGs and, and grind fests like that. But I was worried that the minutia of Mother Base was going to be too much. And I wasn't going to want to do it. But I think the way they did it was really great actually um it never felt cumbersome the only time it got annoying is when i would be like okay i see something i want to unlock i've got to get support unit to level 30 and i've got to get intel to 25 so let me move people from you know security and from combat and if their stats are good over here and look at every single person you got in there and move them to the right groups but um, that was the only time it really got annoying, and that was me just being OCD and wanting to unlock certain weapons and stuff as, as quickly as I could. Um, what did you think about Mother Base? Since you didn't play Peace Walker, so this was brand new to you. This is brand new to me. Um, I never did a single bit of uh, whatever you call it, uh, management of your, your personnel um, outside of the, the quarantine part of the game anyway. Um, I kind of just let things be. I would Fulton out everybody I possibly could um, and let the game decide what to do with them. Uh, I'm far enough along now to where I'm high 40s, if not 50, in all the different uh, R&D and combat and all those. So it's worked out. Um, I've got pretty much all my weapons that I use on a regular basis, mostly upgraded all the way. Um, I can see how that would probably be cumbersome and I couldn't be bothered to, to mess with that at all personally, but, uh, I can see how that would, that would help to, you know, get some of those weapons upgraded early. Yeah. And I can definitely see how it would be overwhelming and everything. Um, I, I think they handled it the best they could. I pretty much just show up to mother base every so often, take a shower, throw some of my troop buddies around, throw them on the ground, punch them in the face a few times get that staff morale up and then which is back hilarious. on the chopper did you ever um when you would see ocelot on the base did you ever trank him i don't think i've ever seen ocelot well yeah i guess after cutscenes and stuff but yeah no, i never tranked him if you trank him in the face he'll get all woozy and he'll go like ooh, 
Lali Lule Lo, and he'll <laughs> say some other things and stuff. It's pretty funny. Um, one of the other things, so I like the talking about me being OCD. Once you upgrade your uh, your scope to where you see what everybody what their rankings are when you see them in the field. I never wanted to kill anybody again unless they were like a D or an E and I was like I don't I don't I will just waste them. I don't care, but you get so into the whole mother base management thing that if you see anybody who's an A or an A plus or for God's sakes when I see an S I just go crazy. I'm like I got to get him, I got to get him or S plus. Um it's pretty cool how that added to the whole theme of not wanting to kill people and all that. You wanted to just trank them because you didn't want to miss anybody. You don't you didn't want to leave a good soldier out in the field or kill them if you didn't absolutely have to. Um, so I just thought, you know, the gameplay overall, some people complain that it gets repetitive. Um, I guess I could see that. I think Kojima was actually going for that. Um, just showing you, you know, Venom Snake always having he's going back out in the field and he goes back to the base and it's just another mission and another mission and he's grinding it out and everybody else wants revenge Kaz wants revenge because diamond dogs you know that the base was blown up and ground zeros and everything and venom snake is having to go out there to earn this money to upgrade everything and move the story along so i think that was kind of i think kojima wanted to show the grind and and how it can wear you down as a soldier and all this other stuff but um, I would have liked to have a fast travel system. I would like to be able to, if I'm out in the game map and I call in a chopper, I would like to be able to get on that chopper, pull up the iDroid, and go to another landing zone right then. I don't want to have to go all the way back to Mother Base and get off it and call the chopper back and get back on and go to another place on the map. I think that is ridiculous. I'm hoping they'll still patch that in at some point, but the way they've treated Kojima and he's gone and I don't know really what Konami's going to do with this game. We'll we'll see what happens from there. Right. Um from a gameplay perspective is there anything I missed? Is there anything anything else you want to talk about? Uh I think you covered it pretty well. Um I think this definitely has a strikes a pretty good balance of the tactical espionage action of you know the stealth and the action compared to metal gear solid 4 which definitely not uh, very stealth oriented um glad they they went back to the yeah four stealth was, while four also, was essentially an action game right keeping the open world um yeah you know i mean i Gameplay, I don't think many games can touch this. I think it was amazing. Uh, overall, if there's any gripes I had, they were very minimal, like the fast travel systems and stuff like that. Yep. Um, all right, so now let, let's talk about the story. And this is something where I did have some gripes. So, again, as I kind of said earlier, my favorite part about Metal Gear Solid, the whole series, is the story. Um, whether it's, one, all the craziness that happened in two with Raiden and with what is real and Snake pointing to his bandana and saying infinite ammo and all the fourth wall breaking. And then you get to three and you see the, the origins of, and I'll talk more about three when on a, on a next, on a later podcast that we do, but we can devote a whole podcast to that. Yeah. Um, the story is what I love most about metal gears. So metal gear solid five for me was weird because it's the, the gameplay was by far the best it has ever been. The story, on the other hand, 
all the promotional material, all the trailers, even the launch trailer said this is the game that ties everything together. There's no more missing links. This ties all these, how many years does this game span? 50 years together. And you'll have no more questions. Everything is answered. We're good to go. So it definitely did not do that. Um, We'll talk about the ending in a little bit, but the story for me definitely was lacking. Um, I love Kojima's cutscenes. The best part about Metal Gear Solid 4 to me was not the gameplay at all. It was the cutscenes. I loved the hour and a half cutscene on the Volta River at the end of Act 3 before you go back to Shadow Moses. That That's better than almost anything Hollywood can do. I freaking loved it. Whenever I go back and play that game, I never want to skip it or anything. I just want to put the controller down, sit back and watch it, and just enjoy it. Yeah, 4 definitely played out more like a movie, I thought. Um, 5, I guess, as far as the story goes, there's a lot of characters you meet briefly for one mission. You know, go in and extract so-and-so this arms dealer or this cia spy or whoever it may be and then they come and they go and it doesn't add a whole lot i guess it adds to the story but as far as who this person was it doesn't really add too much to it it furthers the story i get what he's going for but there were parts of that where i don't know there were i feel like missions that maybe could have been combined into to one mission that were spread out over several but so, and you bring up the characters. That's, that's, thank you for doing that. One of the things I was really disappointed in, they made such a big deal out of Code Talker. I know you didn't see all the trailers as much as I did, but they made a big deal about Code Talker, and, and he narrated trailers and stuff like this. And then you don't even meet him till Mission 29 or 28, because 29 is the fight with the Skulls. Yeah. And I think it's during the... Uh, after you get the first ending, when you're in Chapter 2, at one point there's a cutscene on Mother Base where he tells you don't trust Kaz. I don't remember exactly what he says, but he said there's something else going on with Kaz. Right. That never gets resolved. We don't know what the heck he was talking about. And I don't, I don't know why he was saying that because we'll get to the, the true ending and the truth mission and all that. Kaz was on his side the whole time. So I, I don't know what that was. Um, I, I wish we would have gotten to know Code Talker more fleshed out his character more um so one but one of the ones i want to talk about is so Skullface. what what did you think of Skullface in terms of being the big bad for this game because i have some strong thoughts on him especially compared to what we saw of him in ground zeros i uh i guess i thought he was one of the the weaker yep. quote-unquote uh main bad guys um Metal Gear Solid 2 had Solidus, and he was he was pretty good. I'm 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 on board with that. Um, three, you had Volgan. Four, I guess it's really just Liquid Ocelot. I guess you would say would be the big bad guy. I don't know. Yep. Um, I, I thought there was a they kind of just brought him in from nowhere. Um, I like that they had the Man on Fire tie back to Volgan. Um. I guess you could even say at the time, playing through Metal Gear Solid 3, maybe at the time I would have thought the character Volgan was a little lacking, and now it seems to have come full circle with Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah. Skullface, I don't know. Not not my favorite, but in the end, there's enough else going on with the man on fire and the third boy and Sahelanthropus and all that that 
while he is obviously the main antagonist of the game, I think there's enough else going on to where, while not the strongest uh, antagonist Kojima's come up with, I think the game perseveres through it. Yeah, I mean, I think he was by far the weakest big bad of the whole series. I think it was... They just seemed to shoehorn him in. Like, they just needed a bad guy. When I still don't know why... What I thought this game was going to be was going to be Big Boss going after Zero. And we find out in the Truth Mission that was not it at all. (laughs) Not even close. But we find out that Skullface was basically cleanup duty after Big Boss in the Snake Eater missions and stuff. I'm like, okay, so now he... I just I know we learned more about him through the t- truth tapes and stuff, but I just thought he was so just one dimensional, and he was just like the cliche bad guy, and um, it, it just seemed like they needed a bad guy, and they just came up with him. Now in Ground Zeroes, I was like, oh damn, this guy is kind of crazy, and he's got Chico in the cage, and we still we never found out. We know Chico died, but why the heck did he have the the mic the uh, the headphone port in his chest? had nothing to do with the virus because that went into their uh, I mean the, the parasites because that went into their throats because that's right. where your vocal cords are and all that so I don't I, I don't know it, after ground zeros well and not to mention I don't know how you thought but again because I was obsessed with the trailers I was convinced before we played this game Skullface did not even exist I was waiting for some kind of big reveal with him either something along the lines of yeah he does not exist or he is actually somebody else from maybe Metal Gear Solid 3 or Peace Walker or something like they did with Man on Fire who turned out to be Volian. I kept waiting for that big reveal that never came. Uh, while we're on the topic, Skullface, the name. The name's stupid. Uh, you know, I never, as I said, I never played Peace Walker, but I've read what happens. And there's a dude named Hot Coldman. Hot Coldman, yeah. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. You couldn't have come up with a better name than Hot Coldman or Skullface. I don't know. It seems... I don't know. I, I think they could have come up with something better than that, but it's, that's besides the point. And it's tough. And, and a lot of... One thing, one other complaint people had um, was the lack of boss fights in this. And you didn't really have a rogues gallery. Like, you didn't have... Like, Metal Gear Solid 1, you had Sniper Wolf, and you had Vulcan Raven, and you had Liquid, and you had all these guys... Two, you had Fat Man, who was just completely ridiculous, but he was he was Fat Man. And you had Vamp, and you had Fortune, and Solidus, and everybody. And then in three, you had the whole Cobra unit, which was the best set of bad guys, um, the best set of bosses in the entire series. And even four, even though it was weird as hell, the the Beauty and the Beast core was pretty cool, and their you know their weird backstory and all that. But you actually had bosses, whereas this you had you had the Quiet Fight. Which I loved. I thought that was a great boss battle. Um, you had the quiet fight. You had the times when you had to fight the skulls. You had the sniper fight with the female skulls. You had... And then you had Sahelanthropus, and that was really it. You didn't have a rogues gallery. And I think that's that, that's one thing I missed, was having not just one big bad, but like the group of, of enemies that you knew you were going to have to fight. Peace Walker didn't have that either. They just had, I know you haven't played it, but they just had AI-controlled um, robot Metal Gear, Shagohod-looking kind of thing. So that was one of the things I definitely, I, I wish they would have had a better like, a rogues gallery or whatever you want to say when it comes to the bosses. But Yeah, going into the game, that's kind of where I thought they were going with 
the skulls, I thought those didn't turn out to be similar to the Cobra unit. I thought there was just a select few, you know, a handful of them, and they were the 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 minions, I guess, so to speak, of Skullface, and they were the you know they were going to be the boss fights throughout. And it didn't turn out that way. I thought it was it didn't take away from the game too much. Really, you had the one big fight against them. Um, while you're protecting Cope Talker. And then there's the sniper battle also with the... I hated that sniper battle that with was the horrible. female skulls. That, that was, was horrible. Just, especially I was, I, the first, when I finally beat it, I just I brought Quiet along as a buddy, and I just kind of sat there and let her snipe them. And then they killed her, and I was like, oh, crap. I don't I don't know what to do now. I got, I got through it, but, man, that was... It, it was just... I didn't really like the skulls because they were so... Um, they were so overpowered, and they were just bullet sponges where you just just pour ammo into them, and then they finally just light drop. them up with yeah. rockets. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the jeep ride with Skullface? Because that that definitely sparked a lot of talk about Metal Gear fans and how awkward it was. Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't see that coming. Um, that mission, first of all, was just horrible. The OKB OKB zero is horrible. Every time you go in there for a side op or anything, it is just a pain in the butt trying to get in there. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I guess it was a you know I was expecting all of this a big climax to the end of that mission, and right. you end up just taking a nice uh, joyride out of the base with Skullface, <laughs> and it caught me off guard. I think it was I think it played out well, but certainly not what I would have seen coming. It was odd, definitely once he got done with his his monologue and then you're just sitting there staring at each other while the sins of the father is playing in the background i was like well this could have you probably could have skipped the rest of this this you know this jeep ride and sins of father really didn't apply there it was just very awkward and then once he gets there and you know volgan walks into the metal gear when it's rolling out of the hangar and then you have skullface going such a lust for revenge who I was just like, what? What in the world is that? And I mean, I, I completely appreciate Kojima and his crazy writing and stuff. But that's one of those. That was like, you know, Kaz and Ground Zeroes. They played us like a damn fiddle. That was the the fiddle um, for for Phantom Pain. I would say so. Yeah. Overall thoughts on Skullface. I didn't really. He was just kind of whatever. And it, and it got to the part where you know you beat the Sahelanthropus and you go back there and you're supposed to kill Skullface. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll pull the trigger. I don't. Like, I don't have this lust for revenge like Kaz does and everything. But yeah, so I didn't pull the trigger. Um, okay. I was texting with you when I got there. Yeah, and I ultimately didn't do it. And you told me, well, it's when if you do it, it's kind of hard to watch. And I didn't do it, but I assume what I ended up seeing is what I would have seen if I pulled the trigger. It just wasn't actually happening. But you see him shoot him you know shoot his arms off and his yeah. legs off and all that but it yeah, was actually happening yeah the only difference i mean it was happening the only difference was that kaz was like well if you're not gonna do it give me that and he pulls the trigger for you and then it goes into the cut scene but yeah it's just it was just like oh my god you're just blowing this guy's arms off and his legs off and yeah um and we'll get <laughs> again venom Venom Snake, as it turns out, didn't want revenge as much as the other guys, and we find out why at the end of Mission 46, the Truth Mission. But Okay, so let's talk about Paz, because I know this is something you want to talk about, and we, we definitely saved some stuff for this podcast that we haven't even discussed yet. But yeah. So Paz, so you, go, you get all the ten wandering soldiers, you bring them back, the pictures. Every time you, th- you give her a picture, 
it seems to get weirder and weirder. Yep. Um, what What are your thoughts on Paz and, and questions about it? Uh, I guess having never played Peace Walker, I'm not really entirely sure. I'm sure if I had played that, maybe that scene or scenes would have made a little more sense to me. But, uh, you know, I show her a picture and she talks about it a little bit and then she gets a headache and I leave the room and that's that. Um, then in the end, you do the final, the 10th one, and then you find the 11th outside the door, and then, I don't know, something about a butterfly, and then then that chapter of the book is just closed. Right. To me, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but having never played Peace Walker, I'm not surprised that that's the case, but I'm sure a lot of that went over my head. Well, it didn't require a lot of Peace Walker. I mean, in Peace Walker, she was essentially, she was the big bad. Peace Walker had two endings also. And in the second ending, the, the true ending, she takes control of the Metal Gear that you spent all game building, and you fight her, and she falls into the sea, and then when she fell into the sea, that's when the XOF unit grabbed her and brought her to Cuba for Ground Zeroes and all that. But long story short, you know, Venom Snake hallucinated the whole thing. Paz obviously was never there. When he meets her the first time, and Kaz and Ocelot are there with him, they're not there. Like, he hallucinated the whole thing. So, the way I interpret this, because again, spoiler alert if you didn't hear that earlier, Venom Snake is not Big Boss. He's the medic. So, to me, the way I interpret this is this was the last bit of his psyche that he had left. The guilt that he didn't find the second bomb. So she really did. They did not take the second bomb out. He created this in his head. This is not my theory. This is what happened. He created in his head that, oh, no, I got the second bomb out. I did everything I could have done. And then those guys in the other, in the XOF chopper, they shot us with an RPG, and that's why she died, and that's why, or that's why we blew up and all that happened. When in reality, he didn't find the second bomb. She really did jump out and sacrifice herself because she didn't want to kill Big Boss and them. And he's just got this overriding guilt that, with all these, you know, hypnotherapy and all this stuff he's undergone to think he's big boss, there's still part of him that that is still there's still part of the medic, we never know his real name or anything. But there's still part of the medic there that is guilty that he did not save Paz. He didn't find the second bomb and get rid of it and save this girl when he could have. Okay. So there so there was actually a second bomb. There was a there and was she a second blew bomb. Up. She blew up. He did not that find was it. not the Correct. RPG. Right. He okay. created that all all in his head to try to get rid of the guilt. Um, so that was, I mean, it was cool. I know when I saw Paz in the trailers, I was like, there's just there's just no way. Oh, there's a little bunny running outside. Hi, bunny. Um, oh, yeah. There's no way she's alive because I saw her blow up. And it was very confusing. But it was one of the things I wanted to see how it played out. And that was actually kind of cool to see the... Uh, um, you know, to see that what what his guilt has done to him, that he's just hallucinated, not just not just Paz, but you know, Kaz and us a lot in that scene also. So, um, I mean, this is not something I knew before, so this is all just off the top of my head. But maybe I'm grasping at straws here. But another gripe: what if you're going to put a bomb inside somebody? Why do you put two? Do you put two bombs in there thinking that somebody's going to dig one out and then leave the second one because they didn't know? I don't know. It just well, seems a bit contrived to me. What? 
If you're going to put a bomb in somebody's stomach, you're probably just going to put one, not two. Well, the second one wasn't in her stomach, and that was a big thing with Kojima that people were outraged about. That Kojima just, there was no reason. The second bomb was not in her stomach. It was in a different um, opening. Orifice? Yeah. Fair enough. So that's where it was. And they said, come on, are you kidding me? Why... Like, that's just, it's over the top. It didn't need to be that. Um, and it was, that, that was a gripe with Ground Zeroes, is that's how it ends, is a, a, you know, just a bomb. Oh, no, there's another one. So I I, I agree with you on that. The, yeah. the, it was very cliche, also. Um, so that's really it with Paz. Uh, what did you think about Quiet? So, in the build up to this, I remember the first time they showed Quiet in the trailer, you've got this sniper and she's just half naked and. All this stuff, and people are like Kojima and blah blah blah, and sexism and all this other stuff. And he said, "Oh, you're all going to be ashamed of your words and deeds when you find out why she looks the way she does." So we find out as we're playing through the game, she used to be a normal person. Um, during the hospital scene where she goes to try to uh, murder Big Boss, um, Big Boss defending Venom Snake throws some kind of chemical on her. It lights on fire. She jumps out the window. We find out that the only reason she was able to recover was they give her this parasite therapy, and her she needs to have less clothes on so she can breathe, and and all this stuff. So it was like you thought it was going to be this big revelation of you'll be you'll be ashamed, and no, it's just like everybody kind of thought she was going to be related to the end or something. Um, you know, the end from being from Metal Gear Solid 3. Best boss fight in the series by far, in my opinion. Um, so I was like, no, that's kind of what we thought. We thought it was just going to be, you just wanted a girl to be half naked. So you said, oh, she needs her skin to be exposed so she can breathe and stuff. So, um, but, so I thought that was corny. I was like, whatever. But I loved, I really loved the ending to episode 45 when you get Quiet's ending. First, her going after those guys was just nuts. When yeah. Big Boss goes out to find her, or sorry, Big Boss, whoops. When Snake goes out to find her, and those guys are, you know, essentially raping her, or they're about to, and she just goes off and she starts jumping everywhere, and she gets her knife out, and she's stabbing them, and all this stuff is just like insane. I remember you you texting me then you're like, "There's if there's, there's one- anybody whose bad side I don't ever want to be on, it's quiet." Yeah, she was she was awesome, and then that. The end of that mission, the actual fight with just the endless tanks was a little bit much. Um, I died, I died countless times. I know I, in the middle of that mission, I finally quit one night and said, "I'm, I'm just done. I'll finish this tomorrow because I just can't, I can't go on. This is just so frustrating." Yeah, that was a that was a two day mission for me. Yeah, but then when you finally beat it, and, um, you know, big boss and or gosh. Snake and Quiet are trying to escape, and there's the sandstorm that comes in, and they're hiding, and then, you know, Snake gets bitten by the snake. Um, and we finally figure out why she was quiet this whole time. Uh, well, I think we knew before this when she yeah. was talking to Code Talker, but we see that the, you know, Snake is lying there, who she thinks is Big Boss. She's in love with Big Boss. She's in love with the legend. She thinks Venom Snake is Big Boss. And she's sitting here watching him die, and she she gets on the radio, and Morpho is saying, where are you? Or Pequod, sorry, Morpho was ground zero. Where are you? Where are you? I can't find you. And she's struggling. She knows if she talks, she's going to activate the parasite 
in her. Essentially, if she speaks the English language, it means her death. And she cared so much about saving Venom Snake, who she thought was Big Boss, that she finally just said the heck with it. And she spoke for the first time. It was very emotional. It took her forever (laughs) to guide the helicopter there. I thought that was a little... Like, we get it. It's dramatic. Again, it just seemed like it went on for a little too long. Um, But I love the ending to that. And it was very emotional. And then, you know, she disappeared and and all that. So what do you think about Quiet and the end of her story and everything? Um... I think they they wrapped it up pretty nicely. Um, I kind of figured where they were going with it once you you know you've by this point you already know she has the the English speaking uh, parasite and obviously that's the only way to guide the the helicopter to their location. So yeah, big uh, emotional ending there, and I, I think they did a good job of it. Um, I wasn't happy after the fact knowing that I couldn't use her anymore until I texted Kevin and found out that you just got to go do her mission and beat her seven more times, which I'm not about to do. Eventually I'll do it, but that's that's something I don't really want to. So when I, in my thoughts on this, a lot of people were happy when they patched her back in because they just wanted to play with Quiet. Again, I still prefer DD. I don't care. I think he's the best buddy, even though he can't snipe people. But... I didn't want them to patch her back in. Like, the whole point of her leaving... The game is called The Phantom Pain. You're supposed to feel emptiness. You're supposed to feel lost and all this other stuff. So her leaving was part of the story, and it was part of that for a reason. And I think if Kojima was still at Konami, they never would have patched her back in. Like, it was that way for a reason. You're supposed to be like, man, that sucks. So originally you couldn't get her back? You could not get her back. They just patched it back in a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yep. And that's how they should have left it. And again, it's just another middle finger from Konami to Kojima, but whatever. They're the worst company ever. So, I mean, I I like the resolution of her story. Again, I, I my overall thoughts. I thought Kojima's stuff about you'll you'll be so you'll feel so bad for talking bad about the way she looks and all that was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, that was a bit overblown. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at our agenda here before we move on, since I don't know that I'll get to bring it up again. Um, you mentioned quiet being related to the end. Um, She's not. Right, 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 right. But what that made me think of is at the end of the game when they're showing essentially the, the Metal Gear timeline, they talk about Code Talker going to study the end. What was that all about? Are we supposed to take anything from that, or that's just another... Another event they threw into the timeline. I don't know if there was some hidden meaning I missed on that. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. I don't know if it if it led into the genome soldiers um, in Metal Gear Solid One. If you guys are listening to this and I'm wrong, go ahead and tweet at me at Kevin White Twenty Four. Um, sorry if I'm. I, I don't remember the whole timeline, but I think it might have had something to do with the genome soldiers. But I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Yeah. Okay. So the big one. So mission forty six. We find out the truth. Um, I'll just come out and say I loved the ending. Um, I loved the fact that first off, my first thought was, well, at least he's not Gray Fox and Python Selcon. <laughs> Python Selkin, They were wrong about him being Gray Fox. So that was my first thought. My second thought was, well, holy crap! Wait, there really were two big bosses. It makes everything make so much sense now. Like Metal Gear 1, we didn't really kill Big Boss and then he was just magically resurrected in Metal Gear 2. No, we killed who we thought was Big Boss. 
Um, but so so the whole point of this game was it's going to show Big Boss's descent to being the villain. To being, he went from the hero with all the noble causes in Metal Gear Solid Three, who got screwed over and had to kill his mentor. We're going to see what takes him from that through Peace Walker all the way up to Metal Gear One, and makes him become the big bad that he is, and everybody knows him as. So a lot of people, we saw the child soldiers and all this. I think a lot of people thought they were just going to go like, oh, he's just going to murder kids and he's going to do all this stuff. But I love the way they did this. So essentially Big Boss, while obviously he was in a coma, as was the medic, Big Boss did not plan on the medic taking his place and being Big Boss. However, once he knew the truth from Ocelot, after they escaped from the hospital, he went along with it. And they say in the truth tape, you were our best man. Big Boss used his best man, his best soldier. He didn't care that he had completely erased this guy's past, present, and future. The medic doesn't exist anymore. Only Big Boss does. Big Boss didn't care that he's sending his best man out there to risk his life and limb to get revenge for Big Boss... While he just sits back behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz and goes to build um, Zanzibar land and everything. He didn't care about that. Like, he is so sick and twisted that he takes... He he doesn't do the brainwashing himself. But once he finds out that his best man, the medic, has been brainwashed and Zero set all this up, um, he's perfectly fine with it. Like, how sick and twisted do you have to be? Just say, yeah, the best soldier we have... I don't, I don't care about him. Go ahead and throw him to the wolves. I don't really care. And then his little pep talk um, to Venom Snake when he gets the truth tape and everything is just like, so yeah, you're, we're one person and you did all this for us and I'll never forget it. And it's just, I think it was really cool the way they showed that descent um, to just being the, the psychotic madman that he ended up being. Um, in Metal Gear, I thought one and two, but actually just Metal Gear two. Um, so, what what did you think about the the way it all turned out with the with the Truth Mission and and who Venom Snake really was? Uh, going back to what we talked about before and how the uh, before each mission they show the the credits. Oh yeah, that uh, really played a big role in that last <laughs> one and. Honestly, it didn't even occur to me until the end of the game that you never see the words Big Boss. They never refer to him as right. Big Boss. It's just Boss this, Boss that. Right. And you know, I go through the whole game seeing, you know, Punish Venom. punished Venom Snake the whole game, and it doesn't register until the very last mission when you see the credits actually saying Big Boss, and now that seems out of place. And I'm like, okay. Thinking back to the original hospital mission and texting Kevin, oh, why does this other guy have? Why is this other guy also being voiced by Keith or Sullivan? What's what's going on here? This something's clearly up, and he said, "Oh, it all makes sense eventually." And so I just pushed it aside and kept playing the great game that I was playing, only to forget that I ever had the question until getting to that last mission. Um, I obviously knew something was up. Um. I think they did a good job of it. Um, again, another a gripe, I guess, is even today you couldn't even 
do any kind of plastic surgery to make somebody look exactly, look exactly like right. somebody else. Let Much alone less than 1984. Alter their voice. And yeah, that long in the past. But okay, suspend reality a little bit. Right. It's a video game. I understand that. Yep. Um, and yeah, I guess it... Uh, it does help to explain everything, uh, like you said, going from Metal Gear 1, where he apparently dies, to all of a sudden he's back in Metal Gear 2. Um, certainly not something I saw coming. Um, taking it back a bit, um, we were just having a conversation on our own a few days ago about uh, reflecting back on Metal Gear Solid 3. And I thought... Okay, well, looking back, this is obviously Big Boss that you're playing, not Snake. However, I remember first playing through the game and thinking, for whatever reason, just thinking you're playing as Snake. Just solid. Who cares the fact? Yeah, solid Snake, not naked Snake. Who cares about the fact that this is taking place years before he would have even been born maybe he's a time traveler i don't i don't know what i was yep, thinking that's at the, the time the kojima effect but i remember thinking i remember being shocked at the end when he's given the title of big boss and thinking oh okay that that's i see what they did there and being totally shocked and looking back on it i'm thinking well how did i ever not realize that was a big boss and now I feel like it's kind of happened again. I've been playing this whole game, and you never once hear the words Big Boss. He's referred to as Punch Snake throughout the game, and it never even occurred to me that maybe this isn't Big Boss. Um, but I think as much as you could expect, I think the game did wrap the entire series up in a nice, clean little bow. Uh, maybe a few exceptions here and there, but for the most part, I think... Uh, they were able to explain away a lot of what happened earlier on in the series. Yeah, the I, I've definitely still got some questions in the timeline, um, but really, what this makes me want is to is to get, and we'll probably never get it because Kojima's leaving. But who knows? Maybe Konami will will use the Fox engine and remake Metal Gear One and Two. Um, I think that would be pretty cool to play. The one thing, so again, going back to the whole trailer discussion. In the back of my head the whole time I'm playing this is all these, the Gray Fox theories, and you're not really Big Boss. So in the back of my head, I'm kind of prepared for something, but as I got deeper and deeper into the game, I just said, no, he's definitely Big Boss. There was one point, though, where I finally was like, hold up, this, I don't really think I'm Big Boss. And that was um, one of the tapes, there's a tape about Eli's DNA test. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So I'm playing that, and they say, no, he's not. No, his DNA test came back. It doesn't back. match. He he's doesn't have your, your DNA. And right. I'm like, hold up. I know this is liquid. This th- th- this kid is liquid. Like, he is liquid snake. There's no doubt about it. They call him the white mamba. The mamba's a snake. Like, I knew it was, it was liquid snake. So at that point, I was like, oh, crap. They're either Ocelot's just lying to him. Or was it Kaz? I can't remember. It's been so long since I played it. I think it was Ocelot. But Either they're wrong. lying to him or this is not Big Boss. So I was kind of prepared. But the one gripe I have, while I like the twist that we were playing as Venom Snake and not Big Boss, that um, we were playing as the medic, the one thing I don't really like is just replaying the hospital mission because other than the beginning where you see that you went from 
the medic to Big Boss um, when you had the plastic surgery. You see the nurse bring over um, the flowers that make you think of the end of Metal Gear Solid 3 when you're in the, uh, you know, in the flower field and all that. Other than that, to just replay the first mission again was just weird to me. I didn't really, I didn't really get why they chose that. Um, and the other gripe I have, so it's, I'm glad you can keep playing the game after mission 46, but my question is, where the heck does that fit in the timeline? Like, do you go back out in the field to keep doing all these side ops and all this stuff, knowing that, knowing you're, that not you're not big boss? Right. Or that's what I didn't. I, I'm fine with the twist. I didn't like the way they did the last level, and it just pops up out of nowhere. Like you've you've you know you had to kill all your men in Mother Base when you had the quarantine or when the when the virus breaks out. I mean the, the parasites and all that goes crazy because Huey's horrible. Um, you go from that to, to quiet leaves, and it's just, oh, pops up. Let's just play this. I, I did not like that. So that's that's my one gripe with the endings. I did not like just replaying um, the hospital. I didn't think that was – I understand what they were doing, at least from the beginning, to show the, the little things that were different, like looking at the photo and seeing the note from Big Boss on the back of it. Um, but I definitely didn't – I definitely didn't like the way um, – we just replayed that final mission. Um, one of the things that was cool was to listen to Kaz and Ocelot talking after the credits. And when Kaz finds out the truth and he's like, Big Boss can go to hell. I'm done. I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the Phantom. And I'm going to train his kid. And I'm going to take him out. And then, of course, that ties into Metal Gear Solid 1 where Miller, Kaz, is... He trains Snake. Of course, Liquid kills him before Mogar Solid 1 starts. You don't find that out till the end. Uh, spoiler alert. But I love how they tied that in, why he why he wanted to train Solid and why he wanted to get revenge and all that. I really liked how they did that. Um, and it was cool to... So, But then it also made me wonder, wait a minute, the way that Kaz and Ocelot were talking to each other and Ocelot's like, hey, we may have to kill each other one day. Sorry, Sorry buddy. It made me go back, and I don't know that we ever found... We just know that Kaz was killed, or Master Miller, as he was in Metal Gear Solid 1, was killed before the mission, and then Liquid impersonated him. It also makes me think, hmm, maybe it was Ocelot that actually killed him. I don't know, and we'll probably never know, because Kojima's, I don't know that he's going to kind of talk about that or not. But that was one thing I was like, huh, I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's what that was supposed to mean. That was actually... You know, they had that conversation, and then it was really Ocelot that pulled the trigger and, and killed him before it ever started. Um. So, what is one thing that confused me? What is the supposed uh, built-in animosity of Solid and Liquid towards Big Boss? And they talk about at the end how he's going to want to find him and kill him. Why? Just because he's. His father, you know, he'll find out about his past and how he's just genetically created, right? And that he's just automatically going to want to kill his father because of that, or yeah, and well, and I mean, we know that Liquid was tricked into thinking that he had the recessive genes when really he had the dominant genes. Um, you know, we found that out at the end of Metal Gear Solid One, but Eli was just, or Liquid was just very, very bitter, and just he cursed his fate that he was just. He knows he was basically just like a test tube baby, and he's not 
technically even a real person and he just blames even though he really shouldn't blame big boss he should blame zero for that um he just wants to to kill him because he you know he was created from big boss yeah um one of the things uh another guy who's really good when it comes to metal gear related stuff his name's young yeah um he's got a youtube channel and everything and he's great when it comes to analysis and all this stuff he did he put up a video a couple weeks ago about saying that he thought that um out of all the characters metal gear solid 5 he thought ocelot was the most disappointing because he just was not like the ocelot that we've seen even metal gear solid 3 when he was still just up and coming and he didn't know how to twirl the guns at first and all this stuff he was still cocky he was still crazy of course he was freaking out of his mind um once he went under the hypnosis in two and four to make him think he was liquid that liquid was possessing him and all that but i tweeted him and he never you know he didn't write back sometimes he does but my point was i think he missed something really big by saying why is ocelot acting like this i don't like this if you remember at the end of the truth we find out that ocelot tells big boss like i'm gonna hypnotize myself so i don't know that double venom isn't you yeah so he the reason he didn't act like himself is because he wasn't himself. Not at all. Like, he wasn't the ocelot that we know. He was hypnotized the whole time. So that's, that's just one little thing I wanted to talk about. But um, I, I just thought that was... Usually Young is really good about doing his research and knowing everything about Metal Gear. And I think he just really... I think he really missed that. Um, so yeah, one of the other things I want to talk about. Cut content... Um, so, I don't think you've YouTubed episode 51 yet. No. Nope. So, there was a Mission 51 that was cut, and this is why a lot of people were mad, and they say the game is the game's not finished and all this. There's a Mission 51 called Kingdom of the Flies. So, one of the big plot threads, what would one of the things that was unresolved was what happens with Liquid in the Metal Gear, right? Yep. He just flies away with the Metal Gear, and we never see what happens again. Well, Mission 51 is called the Kingdom of the Flies, and... Basically, they figure out where Eli, I keep calling him Liquid, where Eli has taken the Metal Gear and he's taken it, um, you know, inland. And they find out where he is and they're like, okay, we're going to go get him. And you have this, they they did 30% complete cutscenes. So they had basically created the framework for this mission and they tell you how it plays out and you see some of the cutscenes. And we find out that the missing. Eli actually—I don't know if he injected or whatever. He—I guess he injected the, the the other English strand of the parasite. He got away with it. He infected himself with it. And then when they they have a big fight, that it looks like it'd be really cool. You fight the Metal Gear again, but Eli's piloting it this time. It's not being controlled by the third boy. And you get out. You accidentally shoot. Um, something happens. I can't remember if it's a flashbang or something, but Snake. For a moment in time, he's colorblind, so like the bad guys are in these white hazmat suits, and Eli's in a red hazmat suit, or vice versa, I can't remember what it was. But for a moment in time, he's colorblind, and he doesn't want to kill Eli because he's just a kid. And he's shooting the bad guys, and he accidentally shoots Eli, and you go up there, and then you find out that he's got the other English strain. Um, they walk away... And, it was a great ending. Go ahead and... It, it would have been incredibly fun to play through. A lot of people still think they're going to offer a DLC where they, they offer it up. Because it looks like it would be a huge 
um, boss fight slash mission to to give a full end of the game and a you know final boss fight, which you didn't have one with Mission Forty Six. You just played through the hospital and it's done. But right, um, yeah, the third boy actually, um, as Big Boss walks away and, and Kaz and everything, they just leave Liquid to die. They think um, the third boy removes somehow with his telekinetic powers. He removes the parasite from Eli. So that's why Eli lives and then they get on and they go and they become bad guys and all that stuff. But so that was one big thing that a lot of people complained about was like if you're gonna cut like games get cut down all the time and we just don't know about it, but they they put this on the collector's DVD or the collector's Blu-ray that I have. Like, oh by the way, here's mission fifty one. And the problem is what we think happened is Konami was just like, look, you've been working on this game for six or seven years. We've invested almost $100 million into this. You've had long enough. Ship it. Let's go. So they didn't get to finish this. However, we don't know for sure if that's true or if Kojima just decided they don't. this doesn't need to be in there, but hey, here's something cool we were working on. Um, I do kind of hope that they release it at some point. I mean, I would, even if it's a paid DLC, I'd pay 10 bucks for it or whatever. Um, but that was one of the things that a lot of people had complaints with about the game was, was some of the cut content, which I see both sides, but we don't really know what happened. So right, don't really know how to judge that. Quick sidebar. Um, after seeing Metal Gear Solid 5 play out, are you, do you feel better about yourself now having a cat named Eli now that you know about this Eli? I feel a lot better if it, I named him after Liquid Snake than I did Eli Manning, um, the way the Giants have been playing this year. I hear that. Um, although cats are kind of evil and you know Liquid Snake is evil, so it kind of makes sense, I think. That's true. Um, so to wrap this up, we've been going for an hour and almost an hour and 20 minutes about Metal Gear, which I'm fine with. I could talk, I could talk all night about it. But to wrap this up, I don't, I don't even know if there's anything else you want to touch on with the game. I don't necessarily review games and give scores and all that, but I mean, I, I would think this game is as close. I would probably, if I were giving it a score, I'd give it a ten out of ten, um, even with the shortcomings. Um, you know, the lack of story, the lack of cutscenes, um, especially when if you watch the trailers leading up to the game, they basically gave away every cutscene in the whole game in the trailers, which was disappointing. But um, gameplay is so amazing; it makes up for it. I like the twist of the ending. Um, I hate that Metal Gear is over now. I know Konami says they're going to work on another Metal Gear, but who cares? Like, it's not if it's not a Kojima Metal Gear game, it it's not a real. It's not a real Metal Gear game, and I don't believe them anyways because they just want to make pachinko pachinko games and crappy iPhone games. So I don't believe them that there will be another one anyways. But even if there is, it to me, Metal Gear Solid has ended. Um, I hate that. It's by far my favorite game series of all time. Um, I said I didn't really know what I was going to think about video games after this was finally out and I beat it and everything because I just don't know where I go from here as a gamer because I've just built this game up in my mind so much. Um, and it's my favorite series and I just hate to see it go. So I I got a lot of mixed emotions playing through it. It was, it was almost, it's so weird, after building it up for three years, when I finally had the game in my hands, I almost didn't even want to play it. I almost didn't want to put it in the PlayStation Play because 
like I said earlier, if it was anything less than the best game ever made, I was going to be disappointed. And I was disappointed because to me, it's not the best game ever made. We'll talk about that in a later podcast we've got planned, but, um, I love the game. I still, like I said, I put almost 92 hours into it now. I think I'm only 67% complete. Um, I'll never 100% this. There's just too much to do. But the fact that I go back to just play this game and do these side ops and try these harder missions and all that, when there is no more story to go, tells you how great this game is to me. Right. And I think that's, um, you know, going along with... uh what you were saying, um, I think that's part of the reason I'm obviously not as big of a uh, Metal Gear nut as you, but I think that's also part of the reason why I got all the way up to Mission 46, and as curious as I was to see how it all you know, comes to an end, I almost didn't want to see it come to an end. Uh, and I spent days and days just doing side ops and trying some of these harder missions and doing the original missions and going for you know the s ranking and doing all the the different objectives in each mission uh, i i as curious as i was to see how it all ended i almost didn't want it to end so and that was and that was funny to me and i was bugging him like hell i'm like just play it every day just play it because <laughs> obviously i can't say hey play it and you're gonna find out you're not really a big boss i didn't want to give him any hints I didn't want to tell him to look at the credits when the mission starts. I didn't want to say any of that, but I'm like, please, just just finish the stupid game so we can talk about it because there's nobody else I can really nerd out with like I can with him. So it was it was definitely getting on my nerves that he didn't just want to finish it, but I completely understand because I like I said I didn't I definitely didn't want this to end either. Right. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, one of the best games I've ever played. Not the best, um, but it's it's right up there for me. And I think it's funny to think about this game, and a lot of people have these complaints because of the lack of cutscenes, the cut content, all this other stuff. That I, I really wonder, five years from now, when people look back on this game, I think it's going to be... People are going to have a much more favorable view of this game than they do now. Just like Metal Gear Solid 2. When Metal Gear Solid 2 came out, the vast majority of people just absolutely hated it because we didn't want to play as this whiny little punk riding with his blonde flowing hair and he's all girly and all this stuff. We wanted to play as Snake. But you see, as you have time to, to interpret it and, and to let it all sink in, you see Kojima's message about um, you know digital information and who controls the information controls everything. And it, it's just such a great game. It's, st- it's still not my favorite Metal Gear, but... I really think Metal Gear Solid Five is going to have the same treatment as as it ages. Um, I think people will continue to look at it better and better than they do now. Yep, I agree. So, all right. Well, like I said, this is our first ever podcast. This is the two-player co-op podcast. Really appreciate you guys listening today. Um, if you could, you want to give us a follow on Twitter. We're at two underscore player underscore co underscore op. Um, I'm at Kevin White 24 if you want to give me a follow. Um, I don't tweet, but you can reach me through the two-player co-op Twitter yeah. if you must. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him on that Twitter soon enough. Um, We're new enough at this to where we don't have any followers outside of random people and family members at this point, but... Uh, we're hoping to build that up and um, 
you know, as we don't have any many, many followers, any of you that tweet us, you know, tweet us your thoughts on the podcast, any of your thoughts on uh, Metal Gear Solid Five or any Metal Gear for that matter. Uh, one of the two of us will respond. We we're not anticipating too many tweets, so we'll uh, we'll definitely have the time to respond. So please feel free to do that. Um, if you have any comments on the podcast itself. We'll take uh, criticisms or compliments on it. Um, be honest, but be kind. We're new at this, so cut us some slack. We'll we'll get there eventually. But uh, we hope anybody that is out there listening to this has enjoyed it. Um, probably next weekend we will be doing our follow-up podcast, which will be our comparison of our respective top 10 games plus some um what are we calling it honorable mentions. honorable mentions um but essentially each of our top 10 games of all time um we have some pretty different tastes in video games so we're expecting uh a lot of discussion on that so should be a good one if you like this at all please uh feel free to listen to the next one probably coming out in about a week or so Yep, so subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, appreciate you guys listening. You said if you have any feedback, give it to us. Be nice. Don't be mean. We don't like mean people. Um, appreciate you listening. And this has been the Two Player Co-op Podcast. Peace. Thank you.